Hey everyone, before we get into this week's show, I did want to mention that we had some serious technical difficulties, unfortunately, with the Dwayne De Rosario interview as it happened live, such as 2020, I guess, but um, we have edited it down to keep in the good bits of what we got from Dwayne, and uh, we hope you enjoy that part of the show. If you want to see the, the live version as it happened, uh, you can absolutely do so at the Waking the Red Facebook page or otherwise, uh, but this is the best of, I suppose you could say. <laughs> talk about on today's edition of waking the red weekly presented by footy talks but have no fear we still have quite the show ahead for you shortly here we'll be joined by undoubtedly the biggest guest we've had yet as mls legend and former toronto fc star Dwayne de rosario joins us to discuss a number of different topics including his nomination for the mls 25 greatest um, speaking of nominations we'll also talk about the mls awards a little bit as well as some other international break tidbits as always, feel free to reach out, ask questions, make comments wherever you are watching the show today. But without further ado, my name is Mitchell Tierney. Jeff, Michael, how are you guys doing this week? Good, good. Uh, not a lot of football to watch, so it's been weird. But I've been catching up on uh, F1 uh, documentaries on Netflix. So, yay. There you go. I mean, I think the Euro the Euro qualifiers were incredibly exciting, but the second those were done, I mean, it's it's felt like quite a pause here. But um, as I said, <laughs> we like do have. A, um, yeah, Mitch. Yeah, no, I'm I'm doing all right, man. Uh, it's kind of weird, as Jeff said. It's an international break, but we were kind of in like a four month international break, kind of before this whole uh, MLS is back kind of got started. So you know, we're a little spoiled here. So I think we can we can make it through here. We got a couple more days to go. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm Jones and though want my soccer. Yeah. Well, well, let's kick things off here with uh, some awards talk. Um, three Toronto FC personnel nominated for major awards. We'll give a quick shout out to Io Akinola as well for finishing fourth in the MLS Young Player of the Year voting. Um, an award I think rightly won by Diego Rossi of LAFC. The the categories for that were a little funny, but if you look by the uh, the criteria, I think Rossi's the best player, certainly in MLS Under-22. Rossi, of course, also nominated for the Landon Donovan MLS MVP Award alongside, of course, Toronto FC's Alejandro Pozuelo, Andre Blake of Philly, uh, and Nicholas Ladero and Jordan Morris of the Sounders. Um, uh, you know, for, for me, I mean, I had Pozuelo as my MVP, I think. If, if you look at what most valuable player um, as a category means, I mean... You know, Toronto FC is not where they are this season without Alejandro Pozuelo. And I think um, Sounders guys probably split the vote. Blake was good, but there's some other Philly guys who have shouts as well. Uh, what are you guys' thoughts on on the MVP award? It's never going to a goalkeeper. So uh, why is why is Blake there? Uh, <laughs> you know, I mean, he's had a, he's had a great season, but it's never, ever, ever going to a goalkeeper in, in our lifetimes. Um, yeah, you know, it's it's pauses to lose. Uh, certainly there's a concern that his form dipped in the last weeks of the season, so that recency bias may affect voting. Um, but generally, across the interwebs, the, the, the general consensus is, is that come, award, come, come the time that the final votes are tabulated, it will be pauses to take home. 
yeah, I'd be I'd be surprised if it wasn't. Um, as you mentioned there, like Andre Blake's a goalkeeper, and I think he's really the only other Eastern Conference competitor that Paz has for this uh, award. Um, and then the Western guys, I think a lot of those guys are going to split the vote just because there are three really really good players there. So, um, I based on what I've seen, I know Paz Paz has, has a good spot here. Has he had my vote? And mm-hmm. you know, we'll see, we'll see. It is wacky though because um, didn't Jim Curtin win the Coach of the Year? By far, by a yeah, long shot. By a long mm-hmm. shot, and I and I I didn't think Vanny was going to win, but I thought Oscar Perea in Orlando was a lock. I oh, sorry, sorry, it was actually close between him and Perea. Uh, mm-hmm. Correct myself there. Um, mm-hmm. Jim Curtin, I'll tell you how much he received: forty three point six percent of the final vote. Oscar Perea, twenty four percent. So I guess it wasn't the closest, but mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. we've seen bigger margins. What I what I was really surprised about was Greg Vanny. He got four point seven four percent of the vote. And, uh, you know, he, he really made a case for himself and we, we understood why um, Greg Vanny should deserve a little bit more leeway than perhaps some of these other guys because TFC have obviously had to navigate some unique obstacles and still find themselves in this position. But, yeah, that, I think that 4.74% number is a tad low for me. I don't know. What do you guys oh, think? It's, it's crazy low. And it also fills me with a certain dread leading up to Paz's coronation as MVP because it shows that recency bias really much really does play a, play a part. So, you know, Jim Curtin takes the supporter shield and then he takes coach of the year. Um, when, you know, Greg, when he won uh, his coach of the year, it was off the back of a treble. So, uh, you know, it, it results speak. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah, no, I, I I certainly had Vanny on my ballot. Um, I won't say where, but he was on my ballot. <laughs> I think, I'll just say I think Jim Curtin is deserving of MLS Coach of the Year. I but I do yeah. over over Pere, over Perea in Orlando. I I what's, disagree. What's, what's the argument? Talk to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, Orlando was a screaming tire fire, and they've they've leveled up like exponentially this year. I mean, what about the call- Union? Pardon. What about the union? It's been more of a slow and steady. Okay. Uh, uh, no, no, no. Ascent. Hold on. I'll, I'll go back. And <laughs> I think we can go back to like episode two, episode three. I'll pull the tape mm-hmm. where you said we were facing the Philadelphian or something like that. And you said that, that you want to face that team because Brendan Aronson had a bunch of transfer rumors. There are a bunch of things swirling around. How is, I remember how is saying that. Handle no, 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 that? No, I do. I do. There, there's more than just reason to give Philadelphia Union. They have the the best points per game in their club history, better than Toronto FC's mm-hmm. 2017 team. They've they've allowed the least goals in all of MLS. Um, year after year, they improve. If we're saying Orlando did the most with the least, I can hear that. But at the same time, you got to give a credit where credit's due when, when the results speak for themselves. Well, absolutely credit where credit is due, but it's interesting that, um, uh, you know, Oh, I lost my train of thought. Sorry. <laughs> no worries. Well, I think I think coach I'll, I'll of the year. It out later. Mm-hmm. Yeah, coach of the year awards in general in sports. I think an issue with it is people always tend to just vote for the guy who kind of made their team overachieve versus you know maybe the best coach. And I think uh, again, I don't think that that slow build is a knock against Jim Curtin. I think that's exactly what you want your coach to be able to do is build a program that's you know sustainable, that slowly gets better year over year, and that eventually reaches the heights that Jim Curtin's been able to get this Philadelphia Union team to, which is you know a supporter shield and uh, a heavy MLS Cup contender as well. So I, I, I really like that Jim Curtin won the award. I remember what I was going to say. It seems mm-hmm. that this vote is 
uh, is 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 mutually exclusive from the way that it, that the votes usually go, which is recency bias and stats and stuff like that. Jim Curtin's winning for a slower body of work, well, plus the supporter shield over Oscar Perea, just you know, setting fire to the Orlando organization and rebuilding it in a really profound way and in a very shorter amount of time. So it's just an interesting wrinkle to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we should mention, of course, the the final uh, award, which is Justin Morrow nominated for the MLS Works Humanitarian of the Year Award alongside Jeremy Abobasi of Portland Timbers and Canadian Mark Anthony Kay of LAFC. I mean, you know, I, I think, uh, again, he was top of my ballot. Um, Justin Morrow, incredibly deserving for, mm-hmm. for all the work he's done this year. Absolutely. I think it's a shoe in. But for sure. I mean, what Justin Morrow does off the field is 10 times more impressive than what anybody has done on the field this season. Um, and for him to actually be able to, you know, still have a decent season and when he is in the lineup, you know, perform the way he is on top of being able to do everything he has been off the field, especially when it comes to like the Black Lives Matter movement and everything like that. It's just it's it's so impressive and mm. I, I can't have enough good words about Justin Morrow. And I saw there was some a little bit of someone taking a run at Justin Morrow and Eric G came to his defense posting that that Twitter <laughs> picture with him just ripped, oh my God. shredded. Wow. Um, there's zero Justin Morrow slander allowed on TFC Live. Come on, guys. Mm. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> He called him yeah. out of shape or something, and the man's built like a Greek god. He has like zero point zero percent body fat. So. <laughs> yeah, can can confirm Moro one of the most jacked players on, on Toronto FC, certainly. Mm-hmm. Um, but it sounds like our guest is here, so um, let's, oh, let's wow. bring him in um, whenever he is ready. Here, um, we were we are talking Special about. Lunch. Yeah, mm-hmm. no, absolutely, very very excited uh, for this one, certainly. Um, we are talking, of course, about uh, MLS awards in general. Oh, it looks like he was in and out there. But um, one of the one of the wrinkles with MLS awards this year, as this was um, the 25th season of MLS existence, is the MLS 25, um, where they're looking at the greatest 25 players in league history. Um, they're going to honor them in the week leading up to MLS Cup. So we'll talk to um, Dwayne about that in a second here um, and his nomination. Uh, guys, I guess while while we wait, um, you know your, your thoughts. Who who are some of the guys who stand out to you in terms of um, you know great leaders in, in MLS and and getting it to where it is today in terms of um, you know where it is a quarter of a century later? Yeah, just on the note of Dwayne there. I mean, Dwayne was Canada Soccer, um, Toronto FC before the names that we're we're seeing here. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's the, the MLS greatest 25 it's not the the end all be all but for him to be honored in that sort of you know capacity i think it, it would it's more than just just because of the body work that he's put in before we we know the game that we do know today it wouldn't be the game that we know today without Dwayne de rosario and um 100 yeah for sure and there are some other tfc guys that, that made that nomination but um, I'm happy that we got Dwayne on today to to talk about this because this is this is really significant because he is a uh, he's one of the you know the, the very beginners of uh, this TFC movement. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, and and by by just about any metric, I mean when you consider the success he had across at least three separate sides in in MLS. 
I would call it verging on 2.0 because it wasn't quite the, you know, the early, uh, the mid nineties MLS with the, with the flowery, uh, flowery, big, uh, balloony jerseys and the, and the run-ups and the shootouts and the, <laughs> and the domination of like one or two sides. It was, uh, it was a bit more of a transitory league at the time. And what he was able to do in that kind of awkward, uh, teenage years of, of MLS, uh, can't be understated. It, it was it was some pretty fantastic stuff. Yeah, shout out, uh, shout out, running shootouts. What a <laughs> what a concept those were. But it, it seems like we are finally after some technical difficulties. Now joined by Canadian soccer and MLS legend Dwayne Di Rosario. Diro, thank you so much for taking the time today. No problem. Um, thank you for having me on the show. Um, uh, so I hope you guys can hear me clearly. Oh yeah! Oh okay. yeah! Absolutely! Yeah, all good. Nice, nice. Yeah, Dwayne. Yeah. So uh, we were just talking about it there a little bit. The MLS Greatest Twenty Five. How does it feel to kind of be nominated for for you know that position? And you know what does that mean to you? I uh, know it's a it's a huge honor just to be even recognized in, on that list of players. You know, um, being a Canadian and and really trying to. Um, it, it, like I said, you know, a lot of these things, we don't really, re- really realize how much impact it has beyond us, you know, and, and hopefully it shines a brighter light on talent in Toronto and across Canada. And hopefully it motivates more Canadians to strive to, to, to be on that list one day as well. Yeah, we were just talking about it a little bit there, Dwayne. Um, you're obviously synonymous with Toronto FC. But you've also become synonymous not only with with Canada soccer, but also with the city of Toronto on its own. Um, I remember just two years ago, I was just at the randomly at the Bile Steel All Canadian Basketball Charity Classic, and you know she's around. It's it's Dwayne De Rosario just supporting the city there. Um, that just kind of shows you know just how involved you are in the city. And I hear you you're doing a little bit more with your foundations. What what's going on there? Can you talk to me a little bit about that? But on the basketball side of things, um, you know, mm-hmm. I really appreciate what BioSteel uh, has been doing in terms of, um, you know, promoting young athletes. Um, a lot of people don't know I was actually a big basketball player growing up and had to choose between basketball and soccer. So I have a great love and appreciation for basketball. Um, regarding my foundation, um, I started Dero Foundation. Um, we did it pro- um, in 2007 where we went across um, all over Canada, U.S. and the Caribbean hosting free clinics for inner city kids. We actually went to Quebec as well. And um, it, it was it was a great, uh, impactful uh, week of football where we provided not only soccer, but we also provided health and nutrition, uh, money, uh, financial literacy, and um, the importance of, of, of bullying and teamwork. So it's the all-around approach. Uh, right now we work in after-city community in, in my hometown, Scarborough, a community I grew up in, Malvern where we do after-school program for inner-city kids. Uh, I was a product of inner-city programming, so I know how important um, these programs are, especially to single parents, mm-hmm. and providing a safe place where kids after school that don't have their parents at home could, could be in a safe, healthy, nurturing environment where they could learn and pick up a trade. No, that, that's, that's really important. Um, I... I, I just, I know you're doing a bunch more stuff that you're very excited to, you know, share with us. Um, one of those things that I did want to bring up too was those headphones that I saw. Um, they look sweet, Dero. Uh, I, I think we just lost them for just yeah, a second I think, I there. Think we just lost but them. But 
if we can just share these headphones, because you guys need to see that he's launching these, I think, before Chris, I'll let him talk about it. But you guys got to see these headphones because they are really, really no, nice. Sorry, did I lose you guys? Yeah, yeah just for, for a like second. Here, I just want to ask you about your headphones that you're launching. Because I was telling these guys, they're pretty, they're pretty sweet. I like the headphone, the design. Just to talk a little bit about the headphones, um, mm-hmm. uh, Dero Headphones, I partnered with a, a, a company called Crystal Clear Audio. Um, and they approached me about doing a limited edition Dero um, 14 headphones. Um, obviously, growing up, big lover of music. Everywhere I went, all my teammates know I always was a music guy. I always had my headphones on before matches, after games. And one thing about music, you know, it's uh, truly, as Bob Murray said, when it hits, you feel no pain. And it, it mm-hmm. truly it truly could, could um, you know, change your emotions. If you're sad, it could make you feel happy. If you're happy, it could make you feel sad. And music has that impact and that power. And I want to create... Um, I want to bring my little flavor and my little touch. I love what the Marley Inspiration headphones inspired me. And I said, you know, it would be nice to create kind of something of my own and something I like. And thankfully, uh, Crystal Clear Audio, we partnered with them and, and created a very, very great sound quality. I wanted to make sure the quality and the sound was was good in the headphones. And um, they checked out all the boxes. And, I, you know, I really am happy to, to be part of with a, with a great company who understand the importance of sound and quality. Yeah, tell right. me about it. I'm on my, like, fifth pair of Bluetooth uh, headphones because I've never really been impressed with the sound of any of them. <laughs> uh, I'm going to I'm gonna change the, the tune a little bit, uh, D-Row, and I'm going to say, I, I, you know, over the last five years, TFC has uh, achieved a measure of success that uh, I think we're all happy to see. Um, you know, as someone who's, who's sort of watched TFC grow into – something of a super club I'm, I'm remiss to say super club fully what do you think have been the biggest factors uh contributing to tfc's rise over the years um well I, again I'm, I'm taking little bits of pieces of what i hear but i, I think you asked me what's been the biggest factor to, towards tfc's success mm-hmm. yeah, yeah you got it yeah so um one i think having a steady team Right. When I was there every year, we had different guys, different personnel. And it's hard to build a chemistry when you're constantly changing the locker room. Um, you know, I think after, you know, my era with with after post of foe, you know, they finally kept a solid union. I think one thing that's what uh, Greg Vanny has done extremely well, he's kept a core group and just added additions around that core group. And it's uh, and it's proven um, successful. Um, their, their success to date is, I think, pays a huge tribute because of that. Excellent. Yeah. Dero, uh, you have a book coming out uh, next year as well and, and a book tour to follow. Um, tell us about the book. And, uh, you know, I'm certainly excited to, to learn more about uh, your story and how you became the, the legend that you are today. Yeah, I'm excited for this. Me too. Uh, man, the, that, uh, the book is coming out next year in May. You can actually... I buy your pre-orders uh, right now. Um, it's it's man, it's taken a long time. It's been a long time in the making. It's a lot of work, a lot of hours, a lot of sitting down. Um, thankfully, I was able to to find someone that that was um, not only passionate about the sport, but had a great appreciation for what I've been able to accomplish on my career, my journey. And he, I think, Brendan Dunlop did a great job of capturing that. Hey. Um, oh, great. hey. That's a collab I'm excited about. Man, yeah, I, didn't, yeah. I didn't know Brendan uh, was was any had anything to do with that. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, you know, and and being a sports um, 
personality. Um, you know, he, he's, he's already had a, a good understanding of the game. He's been a big fan, and um, I've been a fan of his. And, and it's just, it's just the con- the connection was just perfect, and it was perfect timing. You know, I was I wanted to start my book. Um, he wanted to 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 try a, a, a new adventure, and uh, it kind of just came together at the right time, and we just. We just put our minds together and just kept hammering away and meeting and having talking about my story. Um, I spoke a, about, a lot about my past, um, the reason who I who I am today, and, and some of the things that helped develop me in some of the communities, environments I go, grew up in. And I hope it could inspire, you know, other young Canadians reading that book that uh, they too can make it, regardless of what challenges, obstacles, or, or that are put in your way. Right? Is there is there a segment or a piece of that? that book a story that kind of stands out to you right now that you kind of sell to the fans um maybe kind of give us a little insight there sorry just the, is there is there a piece of the book that kind of stands out to you that you kind of recall off the top of your head a story yeah, perhaps you know you know what I, I i was very vulnerable um so i opened up a lot Hmm. I've shared a lot about my life story. So in every chapter of the book, you'll find something that you probably never known about me or heard about me. So um, I tried to keep it as authentic. I wanted to be as, uh, you know, me and my story and my journey, um, you know, coming from Scarborough and, and parents of Caribbean Guyanese descent and that journey hey. of, of leaving their home to come to, to Scarborough and in a hockey country, um, not, not soccer, not getting the respect that I always thought it deserved and always you know uh-oh uh we lost in there for a sec but i heard uh i heard caribbean i heard guyanese and for me that that's say less because that that's my background so um that's you know that's that's where i came from so to hear this story is is really cool really, different i really apologize i really don't have too much control on the no, 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 we get it. Yeah, we got it. We got it. It's 2020, Dwayne. We mm-hmm. got it. We got to do a deal with yeah, it. Yeah, I was yeah, just yeah. saying, uh, I come from the same same sort of background, the same Caribbean Guyanese background. So I, I understand where you're coming from, why this is important. So just, just continue there, Dwayne. Yeah. So to leave to leave home, my parents to sacrifice to leave home to come there, and you know, just that journey of what it was growing up in Scarborough in a hockey country and 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 playing a sport that wasn't really. Yeah. The big sport in, in, in Canada. It's 2020, yeah. guys. We gotta yeah. we gotta deal with what we deal with. Um, yeah. Obviously, I'd like to thank Dero for for coming. Yes, on. yes, Is, yes, and walking around uh, the block. Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. From what we from what we did get get there from Dero, um, it was spectacular obviously and some great insight and i just want to again emphasize the fact that he was nominated for the mls greatest 25 players of all time it's ridiculous, it's, it's um, ridiculous. Yeah. and my opinion he, he should be there for sure absolutely well, if, he, and, if he isn't i'm going to riot i that's insane if he doesn't yeah it. like um yeah yeah uh i i wanted to ask him what his what his favorite goal was but i'm sure we'll have another opportunity i mean yeah uh that that uh that golden goal to win the mls cup for san jose uh, was absolutely wonderful, and I think I also remember a free header when he was when he was playing for DC United. That was uh, unbelievable. It might have been his hundredth goal or something like that. But uh, yeah, yeah, I wanted to get some of my research points in. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, there were a couple of uh, years in a row there where I think he won the the MLS Goal of the Year. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, I mean, from 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 all levels, a player that who I think will be recognized among the uh, MLS greatest uh, of of all time. Um, yeah, I guess let's let's uh, move on here to to our next topic, um, Jeff. Uh, do you want to rant a little bit? We have uh, we're, nothing set in stone with your topic this week, but certainly a uh, an interesting tidbit for Canadian soccer. Well, let's talk about the the possibility that there won't be a, a Voyagers Cup final because uh, Hamilton may get TFC into uh, the the vo- into Concacaf Champions League by virtue of of their play in Concacaf League. Um, you know, once again, since it seems to be the trend of the episode, it's twenty twenty. Uh, you know, there's there's logistics that play into this beyond uh, beyond everything. There's logistics and there's the coronavirus. So mm-hmm. if this match doesn't have to be played, it stinks. But them's the breaks. Do you know what I mean? Uh, it, I'd like to think that there'll be more opportunities for for TFC and and Forge to line up in the future. Um, it would it would be awful to not uh, see this game. But let's be honest. I mean, if you can, if you can, if you can mitigate the risk, and it is a dead rubber game, I don't see a whole lot of positives for for playing it uh, j- just to play it. I'm wondering. Silverware. Well, no. They, I mean, at the silverware. End of, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's that's like saying why they play the whole, you know, the rest of the tournament. Is why it? Why do they play the? I guess they both played regular seasons. I mean, mm. that counted towards mm-hmm. the. the the cup but still um it, i guess we can go ahead and wipe away the voyager's cup in 2020 is that what you're suggesting well i mean if the if the end result beyond the silverware is to get into the concacaf champions league and both teams playing in the final are already in it so is that the end all be all for you of the canadian championship no is it isn't but it's but it's, but it's but it's but it's 2020 so, but that's but that's what I'm saying. So, there's other things that go into the Voyagers Cup that beyond that that Champions League spot. So, Absolutely. for for us to say, you know, sit here and say that that shouldn't take place, that kind of takes away from, you know, all that everything else that that kind of goes into that. So, yeah, I'm not disputing that, but but yeah, uh, but, but, but also, no, th- yeah. it's a it's a fair point. It's almost like the yeah. supporter shield debate all over yeah. again. <laughs> we can go back into that. And I'm I, on the other side. I, I don't, I don't think we should go back into that. But um, I know I think the fair points. I, I don't know. I'd like to see it played, but I don't think there needs to be any sort of date or, you know, especially again if it's if it's played with no Concacaf Champions League on the line. Like I, I think you can move it to a time when it's just um, you know good for both clubs. But I think Forge in particular should really want to play this game because a chance to go up against Toronto FC. Um, you know that that. Who knows the next time that will come around for Forge? So I, I think as much that as um, it's possible, I think they should try and make this happen for sure. Uh, yeah, I, I don't see why it wouldn't happen. I I, I still think it's going to happen probably late December, if mm-hmm. that's my guess. But I think that you make good points why they could move it. As George is kind of saying here, like why mm-hmm. not have two Voyager's Cups in 2020? There, one more time. Why not have two Voyager's Cups finals in 2021, one in spring and one in the usual day? Like, sure. Yeah. 
I know, I know we have a lot of fixture congestion, but I can't see why one game, especially even if it's, you know, say Toronto FC and and Ford are going into CONCACAF Champions League. Like, why not? This is a perfect tune up game, I think, for both of them anyway. So Mm -hmm. that's um, a a fair point. Yeah. Yeah. I I think it will happen in some, some capacity, but you know, that remains to be seen. We, (laughs) there's no guarantees in, in this year. Certainly Um, we've, we've learned that. Um, Let's, let's, Sorry, go ahead, Michael. I want to talk a little bit about uh, TFC's potential next upcoming opponent because we mm-hmm. put out some polls on uh, on Twitter yesterday, and we also we put out some polls on on Wake in the Red too. And we actually got two kind of different 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 sets of feedback. Um, I remember we we kind of had this discussion last week, and it was Montreal Impact who kind of we all decided that would be Toronto FC's probably easiest sort of um, matchup there or, you know, the yeah, preferred yeah. matchup. Yeah, it was all about the but yeah. going back into it here, I think the results say our Twitter, our, tw- our Twitter results. Yeah. Our Twitter results kind of back them up. Uh, 56% say they do want the impact. Uh, 37%, 37% say Nashville SC. And of course that leaves 6.3% the New England Revolution. So I think the consensus here is the New England Revolution is the last team that we want to face. Because yeah. if we go to Awake in the Red, we look at the polls there. I think 50% of shows in Nashville versus I think 35, something like that in Montreal and the rest New England. So um, have you guys, has your decision kind of swayed a little bit on which team you'd rather face if you're Toronto FC? Nope, nope. Give me the track meet defense optional. I uh, <laughs> we're not we're not scoring enough goals for me to be too optimistic about going into a team with uh, with Zimmerman in, as a center back. Uh, I still I, think I, I, I like Nashville. I go ahead, man. Yeah, I, no, I think you're right. I think Nashville stylistically is the best matchup. I just think from from every other aspect, from you know the the intensity. Um, again i don't know if it could be played at bmo field probably won't but the inter-canadian aspect of it uh i just like montreal as you know from from a storyline perspective but i do agree i think nashville um if if you wanted if you were betting on this game i think you'd want Toronto FC to play nashville hmm. uh, see so like the thing about that Montreal, I think, again, just going back to last week, I think anything can happen in one of those games. But Nashville, if there's something about the unknown. And there's something about TFC going up against the unknown where they don't have to really focus on something else. They have to focus on what they're going to bring to the game. And that's a I feel very like fair point. going in with that approach against a team that's like unknown, like Nashville versus a team versus Montreal, which they kind of have to game plan for because both teams know each other so well, mm-hmm. um, that might might serve them a little bit more more justice just because i think tfc on paper are one of the more talented teams in the field so if even grounds you throw both teams out i think tfc more than likely walks away yeah that i think back that's scares me that back line scares me they're so stingy on defense nashville they're great and I, they're great and mm-hmm. i think they didn't expect to to sneak into the playoffs so they're playing with house money you know what i mean which means they can sit back and let the best parts of their team bunker and uh you know tfc like I said, we're not we're not really tearing teams apart. So you know, finding that one goal lead may be exceedingly difficult against a, against the Nashville side. 
It's fair. Yeah. No, I, I think it's I think it's certainly going to be interesting. We'll definitely preview it more on on next week's show. Um, I wanted to quickly talk about the the playoffs as a whole, though, and uh, mm. who who we might consider some some contenders out of both conferences. Um, let's start with the East. Who are just a couple teams who you guys feel are are going to be very dangerous? We'll start with you, Michael. Mm-hmm. I think New York City are kind of rounding it to form at the right time. Um, yeah, I think when they're healthy, they're they're a team that no nobody really wants to play. Uh, we can just think back to when Toronto FC kind of faced New York City FC this season. Um, that they did get the result, uh, obviously, but it was Alex Bono backstopping them to that, and it was a late, mm-hmm. you know, just the kick to the box for a penalty in a game they were sort of dominated. Uh, we also saw at the MLS's back, just off the top of my head, they. Um, they were ousted, obviously, by New York City FC in a in a you know the winner go home game. So New York City FC is obviously a team in the East that I think could be a, a dark horse a contender. Um, obviously, the Union for sure, you know, the Supporters Shield champions. But can they break that curse? Uh, quote unquote curse. Um, we'll see. We'll see. What do, what do you guys think there in the East? And the New York teams are always kind of kind of boogeyman teams, but mm-hmm. we've had their numbers, so I, I can't really be scared of uh, NYCFC. Uh, you know, I'm I'm afraid of Orlando. I know everybody's everybody's writing them off as as well. They had a good uh, Disney tournament and they're crap now, but I'm 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 afraid of Orlando. I'm not necessarily afraid of uh, Philadelphia anymore. I think that there'll be a precipitous drop off as they've won the Shield and. Uh, they're a young team, and I don't know if they've. They're I don't undefeated they've at home. Yeah, Jeff's still counting out Phil. <laughs> they're undefeated <laughs> at home, <laughs> and all it takes is one, and they, they have, have home. And they, go and home. they have home, and they have home field throughout the playoffs. Mm-hmm. All they have to do is, all they have to do is lose That's, one. Yeah, and then they go home, I mean, so. yeah, sure, you can say that about anyone, though, but yeah, yeah, but it's I'm just saying more unlikely that Philadelphia doesn't lose than another deep losing. Yeah. <laughs> Sure, sure, sure. Uh, no. We've got uh, a fully healthy TFC squad over any one of those three opponents. Yeah, that's a fact. That's a yep. fact. Yeah, me too. I'm with Absolutely. you on that. Um, it's Which just a matter of to the Michael Singh injury report. Will we have a fully healthy TFC squad? Yeah, right now, guys, your guess is as good as mine. Uh, I'll be honest <laughs> with you there. Um, the TFC have been, been pretty tight lipped about that, but. I'm sure we will get an update closer to uh, what I will say is I do agree with that. I think TFC on their day, if they're healthy, I think they take any one of those three opponents, you know, any, any team in MLS really, I think TFC can, can outplay, not even just beat. I think they can outplay. Um, it's just a matter of like, we saw Jonathan Rosario come back last game and he did not look great. It was his first game back after missing a couple, but he's obviously subbed off at halftime because TFC were down to nothing. Uh, but I also thought he was one of the culprits in TFC not moving the ball forward enough. I felt like he was settling to go back. Him and Bradley both in the midfield. And when they bought on Ralph Preso, he was fantastic. So how long is it going to take for some of these guys who were injured coming back now to to, to find their form? Uh, same thing with Josie Altador. Josie Altador looked ineffective for the 40 minutes that he was on. I thought TFC were, were great in creating as soon as that second half. I mean, Michael Bradley had a breakaway that mm-hmm. they built up and then Josie Altador came on and I don't think TFC had a chance the rest of the game. Like, I really don't think they did. I'm not even over-exaggerating, which mm-hmm. is pretty ridiculous seeing they had like five 
building up to that. So mm-hmm. um, how long are these guys going to take to, you know, accumulate back into the squad? Hopefully this time we'll, we'll do them well. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That is a big question. Yeah. Yeah. And not the kind of questions you want going into the playoffs, considering, you know, how important I think form is and, and that sort of thing, but um, they, they do have that time off. And, and like we said, I think, I think those are all good points. Toronto FC definitely, definitely going to be a team that no one's going to want to play, even if they don't have that whole home field advantage. And even if, um, you know, again, we, we've seen in this league how important playoff experience is. There's a reason it's Toronto and Seattle every year in the final. They just know how to win those playoff games. And uh, when it gets close, other teams haven't always proven uh, that they're able to. And I did want to talk quickly a little bit about the Western Conference as well. Um, who are some of the sides you guys think you know, might be coming out again. I think Seattle will always be tossed in there as a favorite. They haven't had the best year maybe, but they're definitely a dangerous side. Um, for me, SKC as well. I think they're probably the the favorites considering six wins in their last eight matches. And mm-hmm. or Colorado in there as well, you know, I, I, for two Shout reasons. Out. I think one, yeah, you know, obviously there's the TFC connection. They've got um, Frazier. Everybody. And, yeah, exactly. Every, everyone who went, who's left Toronto FC in the past couple of years has gone to the Colorado Rapids, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, but the other thing, uh, three wins in their last three games, which I think is, is obviously huge going to the playoffs. But, you know, they had all that COVID time off, which wasn't great for some reasons, but also you know, they're going to be the most rested team coming into these playoffs. And I think that could actually make a bit of a difference. Yeah. I think yeah. that also plays a factor in TFC's game. I think we've touched on this a couple of times now, but just the fact that there's going to be a team that played four days prior and TFC haven't played in three weeks. Mm-hmm. Right. So that, that can come into play too. There's a bunch of factors, but at the end of the day, like it's playoff excuses are out the window. Let's go. Yeah. Let's go. Let's, let's get the result. And Absolutely. TFC versus Montreal Impact or Nashville or New England Revolution. <laughs> Either or. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. And what I will say is I actually really like TFC's bracket. Um, they, they, dodge, they dodge a couple of opponents there, and I, I can't remember off the top of my head. Just I, I don't have it with me. I wish I did. Uh, but I do like the side of the bracket that they're on. I think they're on the, the weaker side of the Eastern Conference there. What did what did Matt Doyle pause it? He paused it uh, first round Nashville, second round NYCFC. No, the 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 conference final was NYCFC. There was somebody. Uh-huh. In there. Um, yeah, I think it might yeah. be Columbus second round. I think. Yeah, it was. It was Columbus. It's likely, it was Nashville, Columbus, NYCFC, Seattle. Right party. Um, another, another yeah. So, like, I think mm-hmm. New York City FC, Philadelphia, um, they're both in the top half of that bracket. Um, I might Orlando might also be in that top half too. I I, I just remember feeling really so, good yeah. about TFC's TFC's past yeah. the MLS Cup finals. And I noticed none of us mentioned Columbus Crew as as one of the favorites. Which you know, going coming out of that MLS's back tournament, and certainly the first half of the season was was clear. But uh, you know, I I I agree. It they've been really bad over the past couple of months and. Again, if we want to talk about going form going into the playoffs, we've we've worried a little bit about Toronto FC's form going in. Columbus is even worse. I, I don't know. I again didn't Zellerian win newcomer of the year though? Oh, he's great. Yeah. He's great. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, well, yeah they've yeah. got they've got good players and and they are a good side. I just think, you know, between the the teams we've mentioned, Orlando, New York, Philadelphia, Columbus is the one you want on your side of the back bracket right now because um yeah, I just don't think that they have that next year that the other 
you know, three MLS, three to four um, MLS Eastern Conference teams have shown to have. Mm-hmm. I think that's a fair statement. I think, yeah, I think in the last two, just one more team I want to highlight quick is Portland. I, I think yeah, they're they're fair. really, really good. They're tough to beat. They they kind of play like TFC wanna uh, in that midfield. They're just really, really tough to play against. And mm-hmm. the teams, they make it tough on no matter which team they play. So I think they're a team that's sort of built for the playoffs there. And I wouldn't be surprised for them to make a run. Yeah, I mean, they yeah. lost uh, Sebastian Blanco and they barely missed a step, you know, so they got you got to sure. appreciate that kind of depth. Absolutely. Yeah. And of course, already uh, lifted a trophy this season, which I think uh, which I think is important. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, let's finish up here with, uh, I guess, just your your biggest question mark for Toronto FC over over the next week or so. Um, you know, what uh, what do you think is a bit of a concern um, going to these playoffs? I guess other than injuries, we'll we'll take injuries off the table because that's the obvious one. <laughs> I was going to say, what's the status of Pablo Piatti? Yeah, me that, too. Yeah, that was that was me. That's fair. All right, no, go ahead, go into that. Yeah, I think what's the status of Pablo Piatti is the biggest question for me, just because of what he brings to the team. He's he's so important for uh, TFC moving forward. He's so important for their their offense. He's so important for the, just the flow of the game. I think he doesn't lose the ball very often. He works harder than anybody else on this team. He covers more ground than anybody else on this team. Um, TFC have a lot of players right now that play in between the lines. Pablo Piatti is one of those players who run through it, runs through it, and has the ability to play in between the lines. So he just complements the squad so perfectly. Uh, so I think that's honestly the biggest question mark for me. We didn't really hear much about his injury when it first happened. We heard that he might be ready for the New York Red Bulls decision day fixture. Um, and then we heard it might also be a playoff thing. So obviously mm-hmm. it's, it's going to be a playoff thing. It's just a matter, is he going to be ready for that first game? Um, mm-hmm. I'd be surprised if he wasn't in, in some capacity. You like off the bench just because it's it is a calf strain and I think three weeks three more than three weeks probably like four week four five weeks since, since it happened uh, he should be close to ready by now if not then that's a that's a bigger concern for me um, how about you guys what's what's the biggest question for you form I mean the last time we took an extended uh, break from Hartford. We uh, we left a lot of points on the table, and it was it sort of spelled our doom for the last uh, month of the of the regular season. So I'm worried about form. I'm worried about where we're going to be when we start playing competitive soccer again, and how long it, and and whether or not we have the time to ramp back up to to our best the best version of ourselves. Yeah, yeah. One thing TFC have it's it's time. Sorry. No, go ahead, Mitch. Go. Oh, I think it's probably just starting on the front foot. I mean, we've just seen a Toronto FC side that's come out a little flat in their past mm-hmm. couple of games. And I think, uh, I don't think it matters which opponent <laughs> you're up against in the playoffs. If they come out strong and you come out flat, you know, it's, it's not two legs anymore. It's one game. So yeah, yeah, you got to come out intense and you got to, you know, be ready to hit them early. I think Toronto FC can bury any side in, in this league. If they, if they come out in the right mentality and they come out the right way and they have all the, the pieces there, but mm-hmm. I don't think they've shown it. Um, they've shown that enough this season. So, that's got to be the big key for me, I think. Yeah, that's a good one, Mitch. That's a very good one. Yeah. All right. Well, I think we'll we'll wrap things up there. Um, next week on the show, another special edition is we'll give you a game day preview of Toronto FC's first round matchup against whoever that will be. Um, <laughs> we'll find out uh, in a little bit. But huge thank you, of course, to, to D-Row for coming on the show. Um, we got a little, little walking tour. Um, we got a, a couple of things, but su- such is uh, 2020 and, mm-hmm. and the technology. So we do appreciate him taking the time. Um, and of course, thank you as always to everyone who listened and interacted throughout the show. 
Um, if you have time this week, go give us a quick rating and review on iTunes. We'd much appreciate that. And uh, until next Tuesday. Cheers, guys.